0: Welcome to Mind, Body and Teeth, the holistic dentistry podcast helping you stay healthy, prevent disease and reduce toxins. And now here's your host, Dr. Beta Fox. Hello, my name is Beta Fox. I'd like to dedicate this podcast to dentistry scene through the lens of a holistic dentist. What is holistic dentistry? Well, it's not a speciality. Um, It's more of a niche dentistry, really. It's seeing things differently. It's forward thinking and seeing the patient as a whole. As a holistic dentist, I focus on three things in a nutshell. The culprits leading to metal toxicity, to bacterial toxicity, as well as structural issues. Today, I'd like to go back to basics and talk about the oral landscape, where the oral microbiota live and where it all starts. This is so fundamental that I feel grasping this aspect allows for a much better understanding of tooth decay and gum disease. The mouth is host to over 700 different bacteria species, which translates to approximately 2 billion bacteria in numbers. Increasingly, we're seeing robust studies show that good oral health not only prevents the most common disease in the world, namely tooth decay, but it also prevents gum disease and other infections in the jaws, which in turn are known to impact on the cardiovascular system, on our brains, as well as on our immune system. So, early days in the dental history, the trend was to focus on number of bacteria burden, the amount of plaque, which later came to be more of a qualitative analysis and interest. We learned that certain bacteria like streptococci mutants are linked to tooth decay, for instance, while other types of bacteria closely linked to gum disease. It just all became quite refined and certain bacteria were linked to certain lesions and certain uh, diseases. The oral microbiome is generally very well studied simply because it is so easy to derive data from it. However, the oral biome just doesn't seem to interest people much if you compare it to the microbiome of the gut. The oral microbiome is Not too dissimilar, actually, to the gut microbiota in that they're both extremely diverse. The global market of probiotics aimed at the gut is a multi-billion business. But I discovered when I was looking for oral probiotics that it is indeed a small market. The research around this type of probiotics is very scarce let alone robust and well-funded, research-wise. So why isn't it enough to just remove the plaque, such as brushing or flossing, and why is it that some people, in spite of their best efforts, still get tooth decay or gum disease, for that matter? This also begs the question, is it not enough to have hygiene sessions with the hygienist? Surely... This should be enough. The answer is that it appears that gum disease, for instance, can worsen in spite of someone's best efforts and often regular hygiene visits. Sometimes this constant need of dedication can impact on the patient's compliance and discourage the patient from keeping up with the um, prescribed regime, really, that the dentist has prescribed for them. The trouble is, by simply removing the plaque and calculus, also known as tartar, we're also removing the good bacteria. Unfortunately, we cannot be selective in our physical removal of this plaque uh, or tartar. The good goes with the bad. And we know the bad must go. I like to draw a parallel with the gut and the treatment of Candida for instance, overgrowth of Candida. Firstly and ideally what should forego the procedure is a good cleanse by maybe a few colonic irrigations followed by the anti-Candida remedies that a naturopath perhaps would have prescribed. This step does all the killing, killing of the bugs Note, the oral equivalent might be a scale and polish by the hygienist and a few days of mouthwash rinsing. By the way, more on mouthwash rinsing and my angle on it later. Both the oral and the gut procedures mentioned eliminate bacteria and in both cases, the good go with the bad. In the anti-Candida protocol we would have followed the advice of our naturopath and we will then maybe wait a little while, not very long, but yes, just a little while and then start replenishing our gut with good bacteria. And so we follow some instructions in that we eat lots of probiotics, immerse our diet in lots of veggies and lean proteins while keep to a moderate amount of complex carbs we keep to colours of the rainbow in our salads and so on. All this wonderful stuff contributing to good bacteria in our gut. Avoiding sugar, of course, is a must in an anti-Candida protocol. And uh, yes, so all these sound choices that we make would complete the picture of a really balanced gut biome. Of course, it's not always easy. And the outcome of restoring a gut microbiome isn't always successful for various reasons. And uh, it's all about the root cause, really, why it happened in the first place. Dental origin for the gut lining to be wrecked is one of my favorite Subjects, and I will be talking about that later in, in a different episode of, of my podcast. So, the idea with the anti Candida protocol is um, to kill as much Candida as possible. Um, it's actually healthy to have uh, uh, some level of candida. But it, anyway, this is not uh, the podcast where we're going to talk about that uh, that uh, topic really. But uh, the idea is to uh, kill off as much as possible, but of course the good goes as well. And, uh, and then to not leave room for um, candida to come back in or indeed uh, worse... Um, perhaps really, really nasty bacteria finding um, a foothold in, in the um, gut um, landscape. So uh, that's the whole idea with then replenishing with good bacteria so that bad stuff cannot grow back in there again. And um, there is an ocean of research at our fingertips when it comes to replenishing the gut. And it's, a, as I mentioned earlier, a multi-billion market offering as a variety of probiotics that are classified even into different groups, types of probiotics aimed at restoring gut health. The same can't be said about restoring the oral microbiome. After a thorough and successful hygiene program with your dedicated hygienist, and periodontist perhaps, a specialist, you have had removal of many bacteria, good and bad. You further advise to get rid of more bacteria by using mouthwashes and so on, and just kill off that last bit of uh, bacteria and plaque. Unfortunately, it's often an alcohol-based mouthwash we're talking about when we say mouthwash and so yes more killing of bacteria of what's left off and uh, yeah in the end not many bacteria left good and bad have gone. I am of course exaggerating here as much as I am simplifying a picture here. That's displaying a static situation and the mouth is very much a dynamic landscape. The net effect, however, is that we lose the good with the bad. As much as the diet plays a huge role in how the gut is replenished after all the candida killing, so does the diet for our oral landscape after an intense hygiene program. Here's where I see a missing link in the prevailing way of dealing with things. We need to be replenishing the oral microbiome at this delicate time with what we want to have there, a variety of good bacteria. I can't see why this would not be possible using similar tactics as we do with the gut. A healthy diet and a well-researched probiotic aimed at oral microbiota. By maintaining a good hygiene regime, still visiting the hygienist, especially in gum disease cases, and importantly, brushing well, using a good technique into dental cleaning. And by that, I mean one size does not fit all. We all have our unique gaps. Unique anatomy So following professionals' instructions in what method and technique is best for you is what it's all about. All of that has to be followed by being generously provided with the good bacteria. So that the person susceptible to tooth decay doesn't welcome back high numbers of streptococcus mutants, for instance, And the person with gum disease does not grow back in high numbers of the bacteria and tryponema species, for instance. People with gum disease are particularly interesting from a holistic angle, as they are three times more likely to be diabetic, three times more likely to be obese, three times more likely to suffer from heart disease and more likely to develop Alzheimer's disease. So all of a sudden, we're not just talking about risk of losing teeth. Sadly, I sometimes hear, well, I will have implants to replace the gum disease tooth with. There was a time even 10 years ago that study after study was showing that implants have 100% success success rate with the best prognosis dentistry has ever seen. Of course now we know better. We know this not to be true. I think there's so much more to be learned and discussed within the arena of the dental industry. I will go into more detail about implants and implantology and they are not all doomed at all, Um, but as I said I will discuss this further uh, in other episodes. When it comes to its success we will need to gain far more in-depth knowledge about osteoblastic and osteoclastic activity in that particular patient, as much as a better understanding of autoimmunity before we can even begin to talk about the prognosis of the implants in real terms. I personally think, based on my anecdotal observations, that its prognosis has more to do with the host response and the epigenetic makeup of the person. More on epigenetics and host response to come in other episodes. Basic advice I'll give to all my patients. Visit the dentist regularly. Visit the hygienist regularly. If you have the luxury of being offered ozone and or laser treatment for the treatment of your gum disease... You're in for a treat. Brush your teeth using a good technique. Your hygienist is best placed educating you in this, in depth. Clean between your teeth using a floss or interdental brush. This is a big misconception, in my opinion, in in the holistic arena. It's good to remove the plaque It's just that the good goes with the bad, and you need to replenish with the good. Scrape your tongue. This is a good habit to adopt. Avoid alcoholic mouthwashes. Try a good and potent herbal mouthwash, like periobrite, for instance. And moreover, avoid using mouthwashes unless you're treating an acute condition, like acute inflammation. You don't really need a mouthwash unless there is an acute condition. Use toothpaste and mouthwashes that are free from SLS, sodium lauryl sulfate. This is known to be carcinogenic. This is a harsh foaming agent that is too destructive to the oral microbiome as well. I have seen bad reactions of the oral mucosa that has disappeared where I have advised my patient to stop the use and the lesion has just vanished when they did so. Nutrition, nutrition, nutrition. It's vital to so many functions in the body and the oral cavity is no exception. Use a probiotic aimed at the oral microbiome. This is luckily a growing market in this arena. Going back to flossing or interdental cleaning, I often receive questions about this. People have this kind of um, scepticism amongst the holistic um, patient base. And I think it stems from the fact that uh, the good and the bad goes. And, um, of course, we want the bad to go. Excessive plaque, I've seen this. I've seen this so many times, people not doing this, not removing the plaque and not cleaning thinking that this is this can't be a good thing and and the damage done is is in fact even worse when you don't remove it so the key here the message with this podcast is please have this removed clean your teeth but we must replenish with the good bacteria as well there is so far no technique that distinguishes in cleaning uh, perspective that that distinguishes the good from the bad so please do replenish with good bacteria and keep it going keep the motivation up and i hope that you've enjoyed this podcast you have been listening to the mind body and teeth podcast if you've enjoyed what you have heard please rate review and subscribe If you would like a unique virtual consultation with Dr. Beta Fox herself, where you can find out how her unique biological approach impacts your whole body health, then please visit monroe-hallclinic.co.uk and request a free consultation.